So um, this sermon is uh, at some level um, addressed to everybody uh, in here, um, but it's uh, also addressed to people who are uh, professing Christians who may find themselves sort of on the fringe of churches, particularly if they're on the fringe of big, bigger churches. Those of you who attended Christ Prez when we used to meet in the skating rink know that um, this, is, this is no longer a big church. I mean, it's no longer a small church. I mean, this is a big church. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. Um, it's just a different thing. Uh, and it is the kind of thing that uh, raises questions like these. How can people find close relationships and community in a big church, especially where there are two services? How can people be enfolded into the life of a big church so that they can discover and use their spiritual gifts? How can people not get lost or slip through the cracks in a big church? And how can visitors be made to feel welcome in a big church? And uh, I'm going to suggest to you that the answer to these questions might be the same in each case. And the answer would be, how can you do these things? And the answer would be, by finding the little church in the big church. Um, let me read the text here from Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me pray for us. Gracious Father, this is your word, and uh, we need you to open it up for us. We need you to uh, work in our minds and our hearts. Uh, we need you to uh, give us attention spans to the glory of Christ, and we pray that you would anoint both the preaching and the hearing of this word, that you would build your church even this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you were to go back and read Acts chapter 2 and go and look through the whole, that whole chapter, you would see that up until you get to the verses that we're going to look at, you're going to have Luke giving the account of the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to have Peter's sermon uh, that's going to explain uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then in the verses we're going to look at, we're going to see some of the results or the evidences of the Spirit's coming. Now, it's not the aim of this church today or any church in 2022 uh, to duplicate everything we see in the first century church. There are some occurrences in the earliest formulations of the Christian faith that were unique and they were not to be repeated occurrences. But what we're interested in, and this is what we're going to do as we look at these verses, we're going to try to figure out what are the abiding principles that uh, we see in these verses that were also present throughout the rest of the New Testament, things that we see that can apply to every church in every age. And the abiding principles that we see when we look at this are probably pretty clear to you as we read through it. They're teaching, 
the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. As one, as one writer put it, these are essential elements of Christian discipleship and life in every age. These are elements that the disciples learned from their experience with the Lord Jesus. It's a description of God's people sharing life with each other at all levels. Now try to just think about that for a minute. Sharing life with people at all levels. And by the way, it wasn't sporadic. It wasn't just once every blue moon. The text says that these brothers and sisters devoted themselves to these areas of covenant community life. Verse 42. And there's an idea here of persistence and constancy. Verse 46 says, day by day. So let me just say this. There's great blessing in the persistent Christian life. Just persistence in the means of grace. Persistence in the word of God. Persistence in the church. Persistence in relationships. You know, there's a, 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 there's a book that Eugene Peterson wrote that I've not read. But I love the title. The title of the book is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's really the Christian life. So the first thing they devoted themselves to, what we see in the text, is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which means what? Which means the kind of teaching we see in Peter's sermon in this same chapter. If you were to go back and read Peter's sermon, what would you see? You would see this. You would see that, Jesus, you would see that Peter preached about Jesus from the Old Testament. He preached about the last days. He preached about Jesus of Nazareth. He preached about his death, his bodily resurrection. He preached about his exaltation, his lordship. He preached that he was the Messiah. He said this in the sermon. He said, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He preached about the coming of the promised Holy Spirit. He preached preached repentance in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And, And basically what he did was the apostles' teaching included all of these things and other things that Jesus taught in the in the Gospels. And all of this with an eye toward the obedience of faith. Jesus, make disciples of all nations, he said, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Now, when you say, well, what about all the other stuff? We say, well, yeah, of course. Not all of the gospel doctrine in the early church was as refined as when this church was born. It's not as refined as we see later in some of the New Testament epistles. But you know what? That was okay. If you were stranded on a desert island and all you had was Peter's sermon, and that's all you had to think about until some boat got to the island to save you or until you died there 30 years later, you would have plenty to think about just in Peter's sermon. So for us, the question is, how might we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching at Christ Presbyterian Church with an eye toward a growing faith and repentance and obedience? And we say, well, one of the, reasons, one of the ways is this right here. Just come to church. Just come to worship. Every Sunday, just come to worship. Come to, the, come to the worship services of your church. And we say yes to individual time in God's Word. Read the Word. And we say yes to family worship in your homes, whoever it is that's gathered in your house. Break open the Word and read it and pray together and talk about it together. But we also say yes to all of the smaller groups I'm going to call them the little churches in the big church. We say yes to Sunday school. You would be astounded, probably, at all of the ways you could grow by going to Sunday school. 
We say yes also to the small group Bible studies. There's men's studies and women's studies and couple studies and youth studies that take place all through the week at Christ Presbyterian Church. You know, a lot of people in this church, I guarantee you this morning, you would testify that your most significant spiritual growth took place in a small group. I'm telling you, when I was a baby Christian, um, just coming into the faith, we had a uh, Bible study that met in a bar in Jackson, Mississippi at six o'clock in the morning. And it smelled like sour beer. But I remember the guys that I met with. Uh, and there was one guy in particular who was a pretty mature believer and he was about my age and he just, he kind of took me under his wing and discipled me. And he would give me memory verses each week. I've still got the little studies that we would go through. And I started memorizing verses and started talking about things. And he was the first guy that ever asked me questions that nobody had ever asked me before. And so I look back on those days and I go, wow, those were formative days. Kathy and I, when we were first married, didn't have any kids. We were going to a couples group, Thursday night couples group. I never forget it. And we were talking about things we'd never talked about before. And it, it was really life-changing for us. So the question is, with regard to small group Bible studies, are you in one? Now, I'm not saying you have to be in one every year, every day, right? But generally, uh, is, you, is that something you find that is, uh, is edifying to you, that it is, uh, is, is helpful to you spiritually? Are you, are you in one? And if you're not in one, why are you not in one? And you may say, well, I'm taking a break. Great. I'm all about that. But... If, if, you, if you really are even remotely interested, talk to Anna Dabbs here or talk to Les or talk to Brian or talk to Melvin or talk to Scott. The second thing, it's a, it's a little church in a big church is, is what a small group is really. The second thing is these believers devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now at one level, the fellowship here included simply time together. I love the verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's in Mark and it says, Jesus appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. And listen to this. He appointed 12 so that they might be with him. That's first. Before he sent them out to preach, before he sent them out to heal, before he sent them out to do anything, he called unto himself. Why? So that they could be with him. I just love that. Hey, I want y'all to, to hang with me for a while. I want y'all to be with me. And so what we have here is, is that that Luke, these, these, all these folks who, these early followers of the Lord Jesus, um, being together with other believers was something these apostles actually learned from being with the master himself. You know, it's interesting that he calls them to be with him, but then he says more than that, because at another level, the fellowship he's talking about here is also contemplating a sharing of material support. Uh, you know, one writer says that really all this was when they shared this, when they sold their stuff and they gave stuff to people who had need, really it was nothing more than the simple life that had been cultivated with Jesus and they're just continuing in the covenant community. They just weren't, you know, they held on to their stuff loosely. They didn't just hold on to their stuff and then try to get more and more and more for them. You know, if, uh, if this fellow over here is having a hard time and I've got some stuff that I can sell and give him the proceeds and help him, that's fine. I'm going to do that. That was the practice of this early church. And it was not socialism. In fact, the text presupposes private earning and ownership. Otherwise, there would have been nothing to sell. 
There were no forced sales. There was no requirement to pool property. There was no requirement to deed over the property to the apostles. There was no condemnation of private property ownership. Ananias and Sapphira were judged not because they had stuff. They could have kept all of their property if they'd wanted to. They weren't judged for having it. They weren't judged for not giving it away. They were judged for lying about it. And so some commentators here even see that the selling, uh, what's going on here is the selling of unnecessary, even excess goods and property. Or maybe somebody said, sacrificially, I'm going to sell this that I could use. But you know what? This family's in need. And so we're going to sell this and help them. But whatever the case is, this giving and this selling, everything, uh, this this selling and giving arose from freedom and love in Christ from a deep oneness, mutual care within this new community, one person for the other, a care that included material goods. In essence, here's what we see. We see unforced loving response to need done over and over and over again. It doesn't say, and they sold it and they did this. It says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What this is a picture of, this is a picture really people loved each other. They really loved each other. And you know what they believed? They believed Jesus when he said this in Luke chapter 12. Take care and be on your guard against all forms of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, in the world, one writer said, in the world, there's a general preoccupation with having things our own way. Having our individual needs catered to. The gospel paints a different picture. When the early church said that God cared, the care they gave to one another demonstrated the proof of their claim. It gave credibility to the gospel. People saw this and they had no category for it. So how might this principle of covenant community play out here at Christ Presbyterian Church? Well, let me say this. It would be hard to say, but I have some suggestions. It might play itself out in involvement in benevolence ministry or the mercy ministry that takes place in this church. That may be one way to go at it. Maybe we could seek wider church relationships in Oxford where other believers in other churches who are not a part of Christ's prayers might have needs that we might be able to meet. Maybe the deacons could help get together people who have needs and people who can meet those needs. Bob has a car. John needs a car to get to work. Bob does not need that car because it's a third car or a fourth car. And Bob says, you know what? I'm going to title this car over to John because he needs it and I don't need it. And you know what else? I don't need to sell it because I don't need the $3,500 or the $2,500 that that car would bring. It's not going, that's not a big deal for me. John needs the car more than I need that. Wow. What if all of a sudden in Christ's prayers there became this great a conduit for people who have cars they don't need and people in the community who really need cars to get to work or get their kids to school or whatever. Boom. But it also might be helpful. It might be helpful once again in this area of church life to find the little church in the big church, to have venues where we can know the needs of others in a context of relationship. There are in this church affluent people who want to help other people who are in need. And there are people who have needs who need help. But they may be hesitant to ask. Why? 
because they may be embarrassed. Or maybe they don't know how to ask, or they don't have a venue in which to ask, or they don't know it. But maybe people would be more comfortable making their needs known in a smaller group to people whom they know and whom they trust. And maybe we could be more aware of all kinds of needs in the church if we shared life together in one of the little churches in the big church. Third, these believers devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. You know, commentators are mixed on this phrase in verse 42. What's most likely is Luke means here both table fellowship, that means eating together and celebrating together the Lord's Supper in a context of table fellowship. But whatever the case is, what he's talking about here is intimate shared community life in Christ, table fellowship with Christ, and table fellowship with one another. Okay. So I am not a world traveler. I have been certain places, but I did not have a passport until I was 55. So that's just to let you know I'm not getting ready to brag on my world travels. But some of you may know that about 10 years ago, Kathy and I went to France to officiate a wedding. And while we were there, we spent all of our time with French families. We were not tourists. We were parts of a French family. Um, we ate all the time. And most of the time we ate, we were somewhere uh, outdoors. And while we were there, we learned about what the French call the joie de vivre. And the joie de vivre, uh, translated for uh, those of you who don't know French like I do, uh, <laughs> that's about it. I've told you about all bonjour, la, you know, la tête, la porte, and that kind of stuff. But um, we, we, we learned about this phrase, the joie de vivre, which means the joy of life. Uh, a, 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 a full definition of it might go something like this. It expresses a cheerful enjoyment of life, an exaltation of spirit. It can be a joy of conversation, a joy of eating, a joy of anything one might do. Joie de vivre may, may be seen as, a, as the joy of everything, as a comprehensive joy, as a philosophy of life. And Kathy and I came back changed. Now, France is a very dark place spiritually. And so I, I just kept kind of mulling over the fact that, okay, okay, we're Christians. We should have the real joie de vivre, right? So why am I so uptight all the time? Why don't I enjoy the good things God has made like these French people do? Um, we should be the ones that are celebrating the joie de vivre. And so we come back and we're changed. And our kids think somebody has kidnapped their parents <laughs> and made two people to look like us and put us back in our house. So the backyard is totally changed. Backyard lights are everywhere. We have a dog kennel to keep the dogs from licking you when you have people over in the backyard licking the, your guests. We began to cook paellas because we ate paellas in, over in France. It's a, it's a wonderful Spanish uh, dish that is beautiful. If you hadn't done it, I encourage you to look at it. We began to eat I started making kibbe. Kibbe is a Lebanese dish that's outstanding. If you haven't had it, you need to find out how to get it. Charcuteries. We started having charcuteries. My kids gave me a charcuterie board and these little charcuterie utensils that you, there's a different knife for each cheese in case you didn't know. Um, we started grilling more outside and sitting outside more and having people outside in the, back, in the backyard. There was jazz on the, on the UE Boom 2 portable speaker blaring in the backyard. Um, 
And, and I just, we just began to enjoy things more, just to enjoy life more and enjoy the good things God had made. And it was really, it was really life-changing. And, and I, really, I, I cannot say this as strongly as I feel it. And I say yes to congregational suppers with the grill outside smoking. I say yes to homemade side dishes and homemade desserts. But here's what I say yes to also. I say yes also to people in our homes and people in our backyards. Eating and laughing and spending time together and getting to know one another around the table. Maybe inviting our unchurched neighbors to come along when we have some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Meeting in our homes and on our patios and on our back porches in little churches serving as outpost of the big church. Showing the world the real joie de vivre. The real joy of life. The fourth thing, the last thing, is the early believers devoted themselves to the prayers, it says. Other folks, including Luke, stressed the importance of prayer in the church. We're dependent upon the Lord for everything, for all guidance, all power. Uh, the New International Dictionary says this, that every important point in the life of Jesus, his apostles, and the members of his church are all marked by prayer. All important decisions are made with prayer. Nothing is more relationally formative or intimate than praying together. It is the deepest form of sharing. You know, one of the marks of the Christian church until the 1950s was the midweek prayer meeting. I remember going, when I was first, I had little, little kids, and I remember going to a prayer meeting at a church we used to go to, and everybody would pray. Kids would pray, and, and you know, kids learn to pray by praying and they learn to pray by listening to adults pray. And so everybody's in the room together and everybody's praying. And I remember one of mine had a friend named Jesse. And Jesse was a handful. And, uh, and I remember uh, this particular child praying about Jesse. And he said, Lord, I just want to thank you for Jesse. And I just pray you would help him not be so mean. And, and I thought to myself, you know, that's sweet. That's sweet. This is a, here's a, here's a six-year-old praying for another six-year-old and he's praying for just, he, he's, I mean, he wasn't sugarcoating it, right? He was telling it just like it, like it was. So, you know, probably Luke had in mind here, probably had, uh, he was thinking about general prayers. He was thinking about spontaneous prayers. He was also probably praying, thinking about set prayers like the Lord's prayer and other prayers that were used in the early church. So listen, there is perhaps nothing in the life of the church that is more suited to the little church in the big church than prayer. Nothing is more suited to that than prayer, than the, the little church for, than prayer. Think about it. We have so many different kinds of teams here. We have so many different kinds of groups here. Every team could at some level be a prayer team. You're a business team, but you're also a prayer team. You pray about your business and other things. Uh, LOL, shepherding groups, uh, worship team, business team, benevolence team, women's ministry team, men's ministry team, security team, nursery team, deacons, session, women's small groups, men's small groups, youth small groups. All of these things can be cells of prayer. Prayer takes place. You know what's going on right now in the conference room upstairs? There are people sitting around the table in the conference room right now while we're in worship and they're praying. And of course, family prayer, in as much as the family is the most basic little church. 
So you have all this stuff, and what do we have in sovereigns, in God's sovereign design? What was the effect of these things? Look at verse 46 and 47. Day by day, attending the temple together, worshiping together, breaking bread in their homes, eating together. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The community's presence and the witness of the church grew the church. People looked at this community and they looked at the love that they had for one another. And they looked at all these things that were going on and they said, I don't know what that is, but I got to have it. And the church grew. So let me close. In Luke's account of Paul's meeting with the Ephesian elders at Miletus in Acts chapter 20 at the end of that chapter, this is what we read literally. And having said these things, falling upon his knees with all of them, he prayed, that is Paul. And there was considerable loud weeping of all and falling on the neck of Paul, they fervently kissed him suffering most over the word which he had said that no more were they to behold the face of him. And they escorted him to the ship. Fervently kissed him, considerable loud weeping, falling on the neck of Paul. Now let me ask you a question. What produces this kind of emotion? Well, it's not shared hobbies. And it's not shared allegiance to a sports team. What produces this kind of emotion is shared faith in a shared Savior, shared ministry, shared worship, shared fellowship, shared grief, shared joy, shared life, often for a lot of years. You know, there are two ways to look at a big church. You can look at the big church and say it's a glass half empty, or you can look at it and say it's a glass half empty full. It's a place to be involved in just a little bit, or it's a swimming pool to jump into and get wet all over everything you are. You know, actually, there's a lot of, there are lots of little churches here in this big church. In fact, some of you sitting here, you found your little church. Some of you may still be looking for your little church, but I'll tell you this, to find it, You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to pursue people and you're going to have to pursue ministry. Sometimes people would say to me, I feel like I'm on the fringe. And I say, well, the reason you feel like that is because you are. The bigger a church gets, the more proactive the membership must become in order to find community and in order to use their spiritual gifts. Let me ask you some questions. What if you alternated services every other month? You went to the earlier service one month and the next month you went to the late service. What if you sat in different places in the sanctuary each service? You didn't sit in the same place. You sat over there one time and then you sat over here and then here. And every time you sat somewhere, you met two new people every Sunday. What if you ask all the single folks you meet to sit with you and you introduce them to two other members before you let them go from you? What if you joined a team or you came to help on a Wednesday night? You know, maybe Maybe if you prayerfully put in the effort, you might find your little church in this big church. And you might keep finding it over and over. You might keep finding it over and over. 
different little churches here at Christ Pres over the years. And every time you find that little church, you just might find that Christ has been there all along. He's been there all along. Wherever two or more gathered. And even now he may be saying to you, come on in. The water's fine. Let's pray. Father, you created us for relationship. You, you created us for relationship with you. You created us for relationship with others. And the fact of the matter is we find ourselves often struggling on both counts. We pray that you would help us by your spirit uh, to enjoy community in this place. We'd find it in Christ, wonderful, sweet, common denominator. And we pray that others would be drawn to you by what they see and by what they sense in the covenant community that is here. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.